the Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Thank you very much. Thank you very much indeed for that warm welcome. Really appreciate it and all that love back to you too. Uh, particular love to those of you in Cafe Church there and watching online. Uh, be God close to you. Um, I just want to tell you just right at the very outset uh, what my ambition for you is. Is that okay? Uh, I know it's a bit weird me having an ambition for you, but here it is. It's actually in a bit of a story. This week our central heating broke down. Yeah, it was a lot worse than that because our house is 220 years old. So when heating doesn't work, it means house ice forms on the inner walls of the house. So uh, we're fortunate uh, that it got fixed after a few days, but we, um, we've got a log burner thingy, Bob. So we're able to kind of just usually, you see, log burner for us is the central heating's piled on. Uh, gas is making the place warm. But we have the log burner and it's for that romantic kind of light that comes in the room and you can put the lamps down and it's lovely. And all you're really looking for is kind of the, the look. But I can tell you when the central heating breaks down, you're not bothered about the look. What we want, what I want out of that log burner is heat. Okay, and we were putting logs in it and logs in it and logs in it and all sorts of stuff we bought in different shops to get the heat going. And we managed to, uh, as you can tell, survive uh, one day without central heating. Uh, anyhow, what's that got to do with you? What that's got to do with you is, is that, as always, ideas are always flowing in my head. And as I was filling this fire with logs and bits of this, I, I heard the Spirit say to me, light is good, but heat is better. And here is my aspiration for you, that as today we are thinking about uh, this revival dynamic that God has sowed into our hearts for Vision 2020, that for every one of us, including myself, and whenever I say you, I'm including myself too, we'll have a heart so on fire for God, that wherever we go, there's going to be heat, not just light. That people just don't look at us and say, oh, there's a Christian, but people sense, people feel warmed because we are around them. That's it. That's my aspiration for us. And I'll pray for that uh, when I get to the end of this short message. Now, for the benefit of those of you who are joining us for the first time, this is uh, part three of a series entitled Vision 2020, in which uh, we are unfolding uh, what we believe God wants for us as a whole church during this fabulous year. At the end, actually, of a four-year vision that is bringing us to the end of 2020, uh, the vision being to turn the church inside out. And what we mean by that is that all the wonderful things that God has poured into your life and into mine and into our kind of combined life, we want to get it flowing out into the community. That's, that's exactly what we're aiming to do. And as Pastor Dave said last week, 
This year, we're not seeing as the end alone of that 2020 vision, but we're seeing it as a hinge year that actually the stuff that God is doing now, the stuff that God has done in the past, we are hinging into a new decade when we believe there's going to be more. Are you up for that? That God, the, the God who is infinitely greater than anything we can imagine is going to uh, pour out more for us. That's what we were praying last week. And today, as we come to uh, thinking about this Vision 2020, you'll remember that a kind of key text, and you heard it in the video there, is this Luke 4, 19, taken from the Amplified Version. It's a time, a time of jubilee is what we're calling for 2020, when salvation and the free favours of God profusely abound. And who wouldn't want that? Come on, God, do it in our lives. But there are five areas that we're trying to kind of sow that into during this uh, year. Uh, You saw them on the video there. I'm going to focus on the second one of those today, which is to serve those in need like never before. Now, I think that last week when we were praying for revival and praying for revival in our lives, it's kind of easier, isn't it, to be thinking, God, come, draw a circle around myself and say, would you come and revive me? Would you come by your Holy Spirit and empower me and fill me up? It's a little bit more difficult when you realize that the anointing that God pours into your life is not only for your good or my good, but it's actually for the good of other people. Uh, that we know this because we can look at the example of Jesus himself. Uh, he read, as you remember, and we can read it in Luke chapter 4. He picks up the scroll in the synagogue and he reads from the Old Testament, as, as we know it, uh, Isaiah 61. And he proclaims his manifesto for mission, which is, I'm just going to explain in a second or two, is yours and mine to here it is. Jesus says this, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim freedom, oh, big pardon, I missed a bit, because he's anointed me to proclaim good news for the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free. Now, Pastor Dave mentioned last week that Jesus' manifesto has got a definite bias towards those in need. And we had some groups mentioned there, the poor, the prisoners, the blind, the oppressed. I'll come back to that definition just in a moment or two. But what I want to emphasize right now is the word anointed. Jesus says of himself, uh, he has anointed me. Now, the Greek scholars amongst you will be ahead of me here and will know that the Greek word that's used there for the word anointed is only four times in the New Testament. Three of them describe Jesus, and wait to hear this, one of them describes you. Exactly the same word. You, in the same way as Jesus was anointed by the power of the Spirit for his ministry, are anointed too. If you don't believe me, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21-22, where we read this. He, that is God, has anointed us. Just let that sink in for a minute. He has anointed us. He has set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts. So that's where we're starting this morning. We're starting from this position that we are, as Jesus was, we are anointed people with a mission that we want, of course, to uh, carry out by, by God's grace. You see, last week when we were praying for this overflow, we're saying, God, would you fill me? As we've prayed many times before, we have to realize that every time we pray for outpouring, every time we pray for overflow, what we're receiving is a commission because overflow always comes with a commission. God overflows his spirit into your life so that it might, and here's a commission, overflow into the life 
of those around you, the world around you, the places that you go, your school, your college, your street, your workplace, your, your own family kind of home, uh, your neighborhoods, whatever it is. I, and I believe, as you'll hear in a moment or two, across this great city and region, that God has a plan and a purpose that's going to be worked out through you. My prayer for myself is that God will set a fire in my heart again to serve those in need like never before. And we need his help. In the same way as last week, we were asking for revival so that we could pray better, that we could serve better. When it comes to serving the needy, we absolutely need the, the, the revival dynamic of God's Holy Spirit in our lives. That's what we're, we're trying to bring about world change, aren't we? Yeah. We're trying to bring about a transformation that believe, uh, believe me or not, but it's true, that countless people are trying to bring transformation, but only God can bring the transformation. He can prop people up, you can help people, you can serve people, but unless your service is infused with the presence of God and this anointing, this sense of just as we were singing a moment or two ago, that God and his power can transform the very life we are speaking to, nothing changes. Circumstances might be better for a few months, but the real transformation comes when the power of God flows into someone's life, and we have an amazing opportunity to be the carriers of that to the people around us. Are you, are you up for that? Are you good for that? Uh, it's challenging. It's not easy. But God, by his help, makes it absolutely possible, and I'm thrilled about that. Now, bear in mind that uh, if I'm saying we are anointed in the same way as Jesus, how does this manifesto that Jesus declared actually translate into our world? That's my next kind of question. Well, I think it does so in three different ways. And if you indulge me for a moment or two, let me just tell you how I think that mission of Jesus, its characteristics transfer into the lives that we lead to. So firstly, uh, this mission, this mandate, if you want to call it that, is prophetic. And by prophetic, which is a kind of churchy word I appreciate, uh, what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is that Jesus saw a world that no one else could see. When we look, it can be for us too, when we look at people who are in need, as it were, we can really quite easily think that they are stuck. But Jesus sees a world in which people are not stuck. People are freed. People are helped. People are strengthened. People are uh, set free of any oppression that could hold them back. That's an amazing picture. Bear in mind that Jesus is referring to Isaiah chapter 61. If you get time, I recommend you have a read of that whole chapter this week. It's a, it's a beautiful picture of a vision for a city and for a nation that God can deliver on. It's a, it's a vision of transformation. Let me just tell you some of the supernatural transformations that Jesus sees when he's reading this manifesto, because it's in Isaiah 61. Where there were ashes, there is now beauty. Where there was mourning, there is now joy. Where, I'm giving you a two seconds heads up. At the end of this, we're going to give a chair, okay? A, an almighty God-honoring chair, because this is what our world needs. Okay, we look, we're watching, in, I'm, I'm getting fired up about this. We're watching social media, we watch on TV, and we hear all the stories about how bad our world is. And Jesus has put in our hands the way to transform the world that we are fed up. Honestly, I'm sick hearing, I'm fed up hearing about how bad the world is. We need it transformed, and this is it. These are the transformations that God can do, and, and through us, 
to beauty for ashes, joy for mourning, praise instead of despair, cities that have been ruined for generations, and there's lots of them in our nation, rebuilt as resource centers for the nation. What was down is now up and it's resourcing. What sucked resources in is now giving resources out. I'm declaring that over every city in our nation. I declare it over Peterborough, all the cities in, our re uh, in this region, all the towns and so on, which some would see as places where resources are being sucked in. God is going to transform, I absolutely believe it, through you and people like you, so that what is resource sucking is resource giving. That's a transformation only God can do. Shame, every time I read this, I cry. Shame is lifted off of people, right? You know, you see it all over Facebook, all over social media, people carrying shame. That shame is lifted by the power of God. Justice, faithfulness, and blessings flow. That's the vision that Jesus has when he says, I'm going to the poor, the oppressed, and so on. That's what we are anointed to do. That's the good news that we have got to bring. That's the transformation that our lives are to bring into our neighborhoods. It feels like a lot of pressure, doesn't it, to be able to do that? But it's not about you. You'll be pleased to know, and it's not about me. We are crucibles. We are vessels for the Holy Spirit of God uh, so that we can carry that presence of God. You cannot do it by yourself, but you can do something. You can't do it all. You can't fix everything, but you can fix this one thing, that there'll be no corner of this city, this region, that isn't blessed when you go there. That there's no place that you're going to go that you're not praying ahead of time, God, will you bless this place through me? Let the heat of my Holy Spirit-fired life warm up the people and all of the situation around me. I'm absolutely believing for city transformation to come out of that. I might be naive but I'm believing for it and I'm praying for it. God, if you're a God of revival, and I know you are, it's not just about us in these four walls. It's not just about we have a holy knees up and wonderful is all that is, and I'm up for that, absolutely. But Father God, you pour your spirit out in this city, in this region, in every village, in every home, where right now, oh Father God, I just pray. I'm getting right off script here, but I need to hurry up. <laughs> I pray for every home where there's someone crying right now in this city, in this region, someone who's sad, someone who's just pressed down. The definition of these words, poor and oppressed, the, def the strict definition is the poor, is someone who's bowed down by the weight of concern. I just pray for that man, woman, that child, that young person in our city, in our region, it's in you. It might, be, it might even be you. I pray for you. It might be your neighbors. It might be my neighbors. I pray, Father God, would you come in Holy Spirit of revival, come and bring a new thing, uh, just a, a deep and new thing there. The vision is summarized in Isaiah 61. The great said, this is the end result. If you like an end result, why are you doing all this? It's this, so that the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. That's what we want to see. That's what I want my Twitter feed full of. That's what I want to see in the newspapers. That's what I want to see in my media. That's what I want to hear when we are talking, that God does praise and his righteousness, things worthy of praise happening all the time. So we are part of that. But it's not, at the moment, you could, I could be, you could be excused for thinking this is like a theoretical thing, you know, a theological kind of little idea. But believe me not, this is a Thoroughly practical manifesto. What did Jesus do? You can read in Luke 4 when he'd finished reading that. He goes out from the synagogue and immediately gets practical. He takes authority 
to silence demonic spirits. He spends a whole day in healing ministry. It says all who had various kinds of sickness queued up to be uh, prayed with, uh, healed. He teaches his disciples about the kingdom. Everywhere he went, he showed compassion, generosity, and kindness. And we, by his spirit, can do the same. This is incredibly practical. Now, I know that the first disciples must have captured this you know, we, we need training in it. I think they caught it straight off because they were walking around with Jesus. So much so that in the early church, we see that one of the, uh, the, the, the great strengths that they saw in each other was care for the poor. So, for example, you can read this various text, but I've only time for one. Acts chapter 10, verse 2, it's speaking about a believer uh, called Cornelius, and it says, He and his family were devout and God-fearing people. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. You hear that? He's giving to those in need and he's praying. It's not like a, this is not a theoretical thing. This is a thoroughly practical manifesto that God has put before us. We are stewards of that very legacy. I just love the thought that in a hundred years, believers are going to look back and say, we stewarded that legacy well. There's people being helped. We haven't let it die down. It wasn't in our age that it got lost, that Christianity, oh man, that Christianity became something for the middle classes and the, you know, and the rich. We're actually saying this is for everyone. This is something that we might be the owners of right now, but we're only stewards of it, not owners. And there are men and women and young people who are just waiting for invitation. I'm getting so wired up about this. I hope you're catching something of this sense that I really, really do believe that God is doing something in us. This passion is why we're so engaged with community action and with missions. I wish I could tell you everything that's going on on your behalf as a Kingsgate Church. I'm so proud of what our teams are doing. I'm so proud that my giving and your giving is really going to help people in the most desperate of circumstances. I haven't got time to tell you a lot, but draw up a chair, come close, and let me tell you one or two things. Let me tell you about Belembu in East Africa. There is a village which is literally full of AIDS orphans. Eswatini, the nation, is quite a small nation, but it's absolutely riddled with challenges. And the greatest challenge, it was recorded in 2016, that it's got the highest percentage of AIDS orphans anywhere in the world. Uh, and this, uh, you can see in the picture in a second or two, this wonderful village, I hesitate to call it an orphanage because that's, that's not what it is. It's a, it's a, there are houses full of life. Um, there's 350 children live there, ranging from babies right through to uh, kid, uh, kids, young adults in their early 20s. And the idea of what we're investing in is it's giving children an education and a hope and a way forward where there was no education, there was no hope, and they were stuck. Um, and you can see... Uh, Every year we send a team of people over. This is a picture of the team who went last year. Maybe this is something you could do. You have to save up a bit. Uh, in November of each year, we have a party that goes out uh, and, and serves whatever is necessary, whatever is needed uh, in that community. Everybody who goes comes back challenged and inspired, tired and helped. Uh, but the amazing thing is that we know that this is turning lives around. That's what we're about, transforming lives from our neighborhoods to the nations by the power of God's love. And we can, when you see these faces, these lovely children who uh, were, are AIDS orphans, who, and when they moved into that orphanage, had nothing, but now have got hope 
and aspiration and friendships and all the rest of it. That is an amazing, amazing thing that we are investing in. So thank you for your giving into that. Another partner that we have in Global Missions is Compassion. You might have seen their stand out in the atrium as you came in. We're so glad to have representatives from Compassion at all of our centers today. And the reason is because their ministry is to facilitate us being able to sponsor children across the world who otherwise would be caught in a cycle of poverty that they are powerless to get themselves out of. And so for quite a relatively small amount of money, you can really help these children. Uh, I could tell you more about it, but uh, Compassion have given us a lovely little video. I just want you to watch this. It's a couple of minutes long, and it explains what the, the Ministry of Child Sponsorship actually achieves. So let's watch this. In a given week, we'll go at least for three days without food. The friends that I played with in the neighborhood got captured and was being trained to become child soldiers. We would beg our parents just to buy one apple, but even the rotten ones we could not afford to buy. In a period of 18 months, I lost my small brother Patrick, my mom, and I lost my stepdad because of the terrifying disease of HIV AIDS. When my mother died, I was lost. I was looking for hope, for God to just show me that everything was going to be okay. Not knowing what tomorrow will look like, not knowing whether I would have a home, whether we would live to see the next day. I don't know why Aaron Mitchell decided to sponsor me, but when he did, my whole life changed. A group of people from Compassion showed up at my church. They said, you're going to go to school, and then somebody's going to write to you. I don't have to worry about whether my parents would have enough money to keep me going to school. Even if I get sick, someone was there to take care of me. I felt safe. I felt wanted. My sponsor is Edwin Bunny, Maria and Hanshru. Aaron, me too. Five women from a Lutheran church that were sponsoring me. I am now a physical therapist and I'm working in a hospital. Clinical social worker. I was the first child in my family to go to high school, to go to college. I have a bachelor and a master in, in biomedical engineering, a second master in engineering management, and uh, I called me into ministry, so I had to go and get a third master. I have a ministry called Youth Arise Africa that works with boys who don't have father figures. We opened a small school. It's now providing the same opportunity that Compassion provided to me so that they too can break out of the cycle of poverty. Whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. You do for me. You did for me. You did it for me. Sponsor a child today to break the cycle of poverty in a child's life like my sponsor did for me. amazing, isn't it? I know that many of you already do sponsor a child. Even after our first service, 21 more children were sponsored 
because of today. Something has changed in the lives of those 21 children. When I saw the video earlier, I was thinking, what would it be like to have it be my name that came up at the end there, having helped out? Now, it costs £28 a month to sponsor a child, uh, and it's a long-term commitment all the way through that child's childhood, but it, maybe you could club together with some people in your life group or some friends or some people at work even or something like that, just to make a difference in the life of a child. If you'd like to know more about that, just visit the Compassion uh, stand in the atrium and they'll be more than happy to uh, give you more information and help you make a connection about how you can do that. Isn't that amazing? And there's so much more we can say about our overseas missions. But let's come a little bit closer to home. Do you know that in, uh, we don't have to actually look thousands of miles to find uh, dire need. So in the city right now, uh, there's an area actually where we don't have to even pray uh, like never before, you know, because the need is expanding like never before. What we need is God will give resources like never before. So for example, in the community action ministries that are sponsored out of our church, we, we support a food bank ministry in partnership with others across the whole of this city. Last year, uh, the, the need went up by 50% in one year. So last year, we distributed 9,000 meals to families, 6,000 to adults, 3,000 represented by children. It just breaks my heart to think, a 100 yards from here, a mile from here, five miles from here, there are people who don't have food. But by God's grace, and thank you for your giving, through the food bank, we are able to try and do something. Can't do everything, but we can do something to help those in need. That need is rising. Our care zone saw a requir the requirement increased by 30% last year. Care zone, for those who don't know, supplies furniture and small household items uh, to families who are just, uh, and individuals who are just trying to get on their feet, and sometimes often in their first home. Uh, 600 homes last year uh, received their furniture and some small items from the care zone. But it's not just things, not just food, and it's not just furniture. I know I'm so proud of the community action staff and team in this church because they absolutely, every single one of them serves with excellence in those areas because they want to give people dignity. They want to give people love and compassion and generosity and kindness. And so I just, I want you to put your hands together and just to honor them, all those who are serving in those areas. <clears throat> You know, they, are, they are doing it on our behalf, uh, and that's great, isn't it, as a church? And there's so many other ministries. We have ministries to uh, people who have been caught up in human trafficking. Um, we have ministries to, to help people from homelessness into their first home. We, have, we sponsor two homes, two houses in the city, one for girls, one for guys, uh, to help them kind of uh, get into their first steps off of the street. Uh, and get themselves kind of organized. Uh, and that's an amazing, simple kind of ministry. We have street pastors. We are part of a team of people who uh, every week are in the city center serving those who are in need in one way or another. If you're interested in this or anything else to do with our community action, there's a stand in the atrium. Would you make your way there and just uh, find out some more information? I challenge you, as I do myself, let's get involved. Let's get engaged. In fact, the community action team are telling me that they're, they're going to start opening the warehouse, the Food Bank Care Zone Warehouse uh, on a Saturday so that those of us who work during the week and can never get there, actually, we, we have the opportunity to serve into this particular ministry. So if you're interested in that, please take the opportunity to go uh, and talk to Sharon and the team and, and get signed up. So there's so much going on. It's amazing. That's through, in your name, that's happening day in and day out. Some of you will be involved in it. Most of us are not. 
And so as I come to the kind of final few minutes of my message this morning, we're thinking about this manifesto of Jesus. I think it's prophetic for the reasons I've said. I think it's practical. Obviously, it's very practical. But if we left it there, this just becomes a theoretical talk that you can take it or you can leave it. You can listen or you can forget it. But actually, when you look at the manifesto of Jesus, you'll see that it's intensely personal. It has to be something that you and I are personally engaged in. Now, last week, uh, was that last week? Yeah, I was on holiday. Heather and I had a week off, which was wonderful. We had a really great week off. It would have been wonderful if it wasn't for Storm Kira at the beginning of it and Storm Dennis at the end of it. Uh, We bought a little caravan, and for the very first time, we were going to tow it over to uh, somewhere in the Norfolk Broads. Uh, we had to wait two days because it was 90 mile an hour winds that would not been wise to tow a caravan in that. And then we got there and we're having a great time. And then we saw that Dennis was coming. So we had to rush back. So we had a whole week's holiday. It was two days in the middle of nowhere. But um, anyway, one of the benefits out of that is for you because I, I, I love, when I'm on holiday and we get a chance, I, I like to read about stuff that is of you know, just just stuff. I like to read about things like tractors and how they work and various things. Anyway, these two days I was reading about blood pressure. I want you to know, I want you to know how blood pressure works, okay? I know it's pretty geeky, I know, but I just want you to know, I've got an appetite for knowing anything. I'll learn anything. Anyway, so I was reading, I downloaded a book on... uh, and Kindle, other readers are available, um, and, and started reading about this. And what I discovered, or was reminded of, is what you know already and I'd forgotten from my GCSE uh, biology. Right? You know, I'm reading this really in-depth book, but the thing that stuck with me is the heart pumps blood around the body. Woohoo! Amazing! Right? I, yeah, I got that. Uh, the second thing I realised, again, I was reminded of, is it does it in a number of ways. I see Dr. Thingy-Bob there, so... Um, <laughs> If you're a doctor, you might just want to look at your phone now. (laughs) Anyhow, this is what I realized, that arteries take large amounts of blood to specific places in the body, uh, which is great, obviously, because we need that to happen. But then there's veins and capillaries that take blood to other places like your fingertips and so on. Because you haven't got an artery going to your fingertips, you'll be pleased to know, because that would be pretty dangerous if that was ever cut or or whatever. Now, you're thinking, right, yeah, that's great. What's that got to do with this? Okay, let me tell you what this has got to do with this, okay? If you imagine that our revival dynamic, this power to change, has been pumped out from us, the church, the arteries are large amounts of resource going to specific places, okay? You follow me? So, Balembu and all those kind of places, food bank and all that, these are specific places into which we're putting large amount of resource, absolutely quite right. But what I realized as I was reading that, and God was speaking to me at the same time, is that you and I are like the veins and capillaries. We have to take the blood, if you like. We have to take that revival transformation to where we can go. Because you can go where only you can go. I don't work at your place of work, and you don't work at mine. I live in a different street from you. I have different friends from you. You'll be pleased to know. Okay, um, Various things like that. We will bump into different people this week. But God had put it in you to be an individual, personal carrier of this dynamic to wherever it is you go. Does that kind of make sense? So it's great that we have these ministries, but it's not enough. Because the real change in our community, I believe, is going to come from you and from me. Because these arteries can only carry so much and they can only go to certain places. But you and I and all of us, thousands of us, are going across the whole of the city. 
Let me go back to the definitions of the poor and so on that I mentioned earlier. Okay, you can read this up if you've got a commentary. Have a look. You'll see that what do we mean by the poor and the oppressed? This is what the, the text means. It means those who are destitute, those who are helpless, frightened, powerless in their lack, literally bowed down with the weight of their need. There's freedom, the good news is there's freedom, pardon and deliverance and forgiveness and liberty and remission for these situations in God. But for people who are held prisoner, literally or figuratively, you've, you've met these people, haven't you? Who are, who are captured somewhere. Those, here's the text, trans, translation, broken by their calamity. Those crushed and bruised. Now, I don't know about you, but there's times in my life when I've felt crushed and bruised and God's come through for me. I don't know about you, but I definitely know that as I go about my, just my absolutely normal life, I'm coming across people who are crushed and bruised and bowed down by the need that is in their life in an incredible way. Yes, it's true, it's happening thousands of miles away, but I can tell you absolutely it's happening hundreds of yards from here. It's happening in this city. Just this week, uh, myself and a couple of colleagues had the privilege to go to a, a meeting with the Peterborough City Council. Um, and I can't tell you a lot about it, but what I can tell you is we had an hour together with um, a couple of folks who are very influential in the care of those in particular need in the city. Uh, and the reason that we met with is because we want to encourage the city. We, we meet frequently with the leaders to try and just tell them we pray for you, we, we think about you often. They've got a massive job on to be able to do it. Uh, the, the meeting starts by the person in charge there saying, okay then, so tell us what's your vision for the city? Okay. Fortunately, I'd been planning for today. Right? So I was able to say my vision for the city is that broken people are helped, that those who are bowed down by the weight of their care will have somewhere to go. And why I'm getting upset about this is this is not staged to try and turn your heart. And my heart breaks over this. And it's the last weekend, you know, that you saw that thing, didn't you, about Caroline Flack, that woman who unbelievably took her own life. The sad thing is, the saddest thing is that she's not on her own. There's hundreds of people like her, men and women in our city, who right now are one step away from just, I mean, I don't mean taking their life, but feeling that low. I have a vision for our church, for its ministries, and for you, its people, that there will be a day, and it needs a revival to happen. There will be a day when a Caroline Flack, or the male version of her, in our city, when they get to that place, they'll say, I need to find somebody from Kingsgate. That's what I need to do. You know, um, yeah, they can go to the doctor, they can go to a whole load of other places, but there's just not enough provision there, friends, for the thousands of people in our city who are in desperate need or one step away. These people are just, I hesitate to say these people because they're just like you and me. We know that it doesn't take much to knock our world out of access, doesn't it? You know, it can be losing a job, or it can be a change of work, it could be ill health on our part, it can be a broken relationship, there can be all sorts of things that can come in, a death in the family that just knock us off our axis. And if we weren't resilient and weren't strengthened and didn't have people around us, we could fail, we could, we could have a break, as it were. Well, I'm believing that wherever you go, you're going to bring something. This is my vision for our city. Oh, I had the opportunity to, to, to say it. Our vision for the city is that there'll be places and people that people can go to 
whatever it is their need. Are you up for that? That's, that's, that's a calling on you. You see, at the end of the day, I can do it, and I can do it for the what, 20 people I'll meet this week, but there are 3,000 of us connected to this church. You know, and if we all do it to 10 people, there's 35,000 people that are going to be touched, they're going to hear, going to be at least, very least, the recipients of our silent prayer as we see and we hear the need that's going on there. Now, it's not rocket science. You just have to do simple things, okay? But here is the, here's the rub for me. I'm, I'm just turning the screw a little bit more on this one. Is that when we do that, we know we're helping other people, and that's wonderful, isn't it? You get, you get a buzz from that, believe me. You, you, you'll experience that. But we're believers, obviously, and, and what that means for us is that when we serve other people, you heard it on the end of the video we watched a minute or two ago, we're actually serving Jesus. You know? So it's not, this is not divorced from our walk with Jesus. This is not something that is for a few that is just like over there. This is for all of us to serve those in need. Let me read to you from Matthew 25. Jesus tried to explain this dynamic to his disciples with a parable, and he says this, "'Come, you who are blessed by my Father, "'take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you "'since the creation of the world.'" We can all say amen to that. And here's a reason you can get it. "'For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. "'I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. "'I was a stranger, and you invited me in. "'I needed clothes, and you clothed me. "'I was ill.'" And you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And the story goes that people in the, who are listening look round in the story and say, well, when? When did we see you? Where did we see you? Well, we didn't do that. Where did we, how did that happen? And the parable concludes. The king replies in the parable, truly I tell you, whenever you did this for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. That's a motivation and a half. It feels a bit heavy right now, so this is where I should say something funny. But honestly, there's nothing funny about this, except the funny thing is that God would choose you and me. I think it's hilarious that he would choose you and me to bring a message of transformation that can not only change an individual's life, but can change a city. I think it's hilarious that God who knows me inside and out and knows all the mistakes I've ever made, who knows how I think about people and how my politics run and all of that stuff, that God would invest in me by his Holy Spirit an anointing and a calling to go and to serve those in need. I just think that's absolutely hilarious. I know some of you, and I think it's even more hilarious that he'd use you. Okay. God wants to use you. He wants to anoint you. As Jesus was anointed, so you and I are anointed to bring this dynamic, this revival dynamic. You see, last week, we were all going for it big time, weren't we? Whoa, revival, yeah, woohoo, want some of that, overflow, fill me up, fill me, more, 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 fill me, more, 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 more of that, more, more, more of that. But every filling of God is a commission to go and serve those in need. Your commission, yes, you're overflowing, I believe it, and more, and it's for the power of overflow. So what I want, how I want to finish is I just want to pray that God would stir our hearts and at least your heart's a little bit more on fire than it was earlier, whether it was before or not. But that God, that where you go this week, you will be interruptible. You'll be able to listen to people. <laughs> You'll be generous with your time. And you know, God's not asking you to be generous with what you don't have, but he's asking you to be an excellent steward with what he's given you, to be generous towards others. So let's pray together. Holy Spirit of God, I just pray that you come and give us a revival refreshing in this area, that we will be anointed and equipped 
and challenged and commissioned to go and to serve those in need like we have never done before. Father God, we do this because we want to honor you and we do it for you, but we also do it for the countless people who need help today. So by your spirit, help us. Amen.